It's time to talk UK sports with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is the Leach Report Radio Network. Join in the discussion by tweeting your questions to at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call 877-904-1080. Now, along with an outstanding lineup of guests and broadcast to the most passionate fan base in America, the Big Blue Nation, here's the voice of the Wildcats. Tom Leach. Welcome in to our Monday edition of the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Glad to have you guys on board with us today as we roll into another week. Ben Roberts from the Herald Leader, Kyle Tucker from The Athletic will join us, and we um, are going to get right into the Wildcat news of the day. And it starts with some good news that came out over the weekend about testing for COVID-19. New, faster test was approved by the FDA. And a lack of access to widespread rapid testing was one of the reasons people, a lot of people believe Big Ten, Pac-12, and other smaller leagues uh, backed away from playing this season. So now there's a possibility from the way this reads that you're going to have uh, a, a faster test that has the accuracy that they need that is considerably less expensive. I mean, 70 80% less expensive. So um, this could be a real uh, game changer is the phrase that's been used by a, a lot of people that um, analyze this in the last couple of days. So uh, that might be a, a significant breakthrough. And it kind of serves to underscore why it just seems so ridiculous to me that the uh, Big Ten of the Pac-12 made the decision to uh, cancel when they could have just as easily just postponed and said, eh, we're not going to start at the 1st of September, we'll start at the end of September and see how that looks and just kind of stay in a holding pattern for a while longer. So um, they're getting a, a Big Ten now is getting a, a lot of pressure to reverse that decision. We'll see if anything comes of it. Hard to believe that that would happen, but um, these are hard-to-believe times. The SEC is set to announce its football schedule today. At 3 p.m., at the start of Paul Feinbaum's show on the SEC Network, the league will unveil the times for week one on September 26th, uh, who who you'll be playing and when you'll be playing them. And then at 7 o'clock, well, I say the when, I'm not sure about that, but at least you'll know who you play on what date. Um, and then at 7 Eastern time, the rest of the schedule will be unveiled. So by... Who knows? Seven fifteen, seven thirty Eastern time tonight. We'll know what Kentucky's schedule looks like. Uh, maybe with times, maybe not. I don't know. But at least you'll know who you'll play on what days. Practice starting today around the SEC. Um, uh, students have been back on campus uh, for a few days, and I think all of the league schools now, if not then most. So we're. Uh, this will put us into a new phase. Now, the thing that I would suspect that could happen when teams first came back, you had some situations where you had some high numbers of uh, positive tests. And then after they developed their routine and got everybody on the same page with the, the safety protocols, um, those have seemingly uh, dropped to uh, little or no uh, positives. And so, I hope that the same will happen for student bodies as they come back. And if you see some spikes, that they can quickly uh, uh, 
knock it uh, knock it down and keep it down. So keep your fingers crossed on that, not just for football, but just uh, for society in general. Uh, Cole Kubelik, SEC analyst, was with us here on the show a few weeks ago. You know from that visit that he's very high on the Wildcats. He put out his SEC power rankings over the weekend. He's got Bama 1, Florida 2, Georgia 3, LSU 4, and Kentucky at number 5 in the SEC for this season. Uh, Four more Vandy players have opted out for the upcoming season, so that's five total for the Commodores. Uh, The NCAA's chief medical officer, Brian Hainline, was on CNN, I think it was late Saturday night, maybe Friday night or Saturday night, talking about um, the COVID-19 situation in sports. He said the pathway to play sports is so exceedingly narrow right now, everything would have to line up perfectly. So that's not a very uh, optimistic picture. Uh, But again, the NCAA um, has no power to make decisions for the conferences when it comes to college football. Corey Evans, the recruiting analyst for Rivals, expects Kentucky is going to offer point guard Hunter Salas in the 2021 class soon. Uh, We'll talk about uh, Hunter Salas with Ben Roberts here in just a minute. Uh, Reds have been postponed again. because of at least one player, one is all we know of, with the COVID-19 positive. So the uh, Reds are slated to start a series at Kansas City uh, tomorrow. Uh, and good luck to Asia Sight. She is UK, or rather the SEC's nominee for the NCAA's Woman of the Year Award that will be announced this fall. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. When we come back, it's Ben Roberts from the Herald Leader on the Leach Report Radio Network. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. Quarter past the top of the hour. It is our uh, Monday edition of the Leach Report. Ben Roberts joins us from the Lexington Herald-Leader, KentuckySports.com, where he does the Next Cats recruiting page, among other things, a little uh, thoroughbred racing coverage that we'll get to here in a bit as well. But, uh, Ben, um, what's your uh, optimism level about the start of college football season in a little over a month for Kentucky? Um, It went down seeing some of these tweets over the weekend. And Greg Byrne tweeted out Tuscaloosa and uh, some – stuff going on at some other college campuses which was not uh not to be unexpected but um i i'm i guess i'm cautiously optimistic i don't, I don't know I, it's going to be a as strange the past five or six months as it's been it's going to be strange the next two or three weeks and we'll just keep tabs on everything and and uh see what happens but i don't, I don't know that anybody can say with any confidence right now that one way or the other how anything's going to go next uh two or three weeks one would think would be crucial because we're starting to see teams get into practice today. So we'll see, you know, where they've been able to, you know, to work, uh, walk through type stuff. Uh, now it can be contact work. It could be a regular practice starting to prepare for a season, as I understand it. So that takes us to a new phase. And then, uh, you know, I was just saying earlier, it's understandable that you're going to see some, uh, a rash of positives when students first come back to campus. Can you get that regulated quickly? 
Can you um, get them to follow the protocols? Can you, you know, you have like when teams first came back, you had a, a some places where there were flare-ups of uh, a bunch of positive tests that quickly the situation quickly got turned around. Can they do it with you know thirty, forty thousand or so students on campuses? Is going to be uh, an interesting challenge. Yeah, it is, and I, I think it's it's also. I mean, what's the threshold? I think for for these ads and these decision makers on college presidents on on when to when to call it off or when to continue is it is it a rash of positive tests is it you know does it take somebody getting sick or seriously ill i i you know it's it's obviously uncharted territory that nobody's ever had to deal with and i I don't think we really have parameters on on what it takes to keep moving forward so like you said uh, kentucky's going to get out there i think tomorrow is the first day uh, of uh, full contact practice and I mean, as you know well, I, that's just a bunch of dudes out there banging into each other for two or three hours, uh, especially when you talk about the linemen. So, you know, you, you can't social distance when, you, when you're full contacting. You, you can't wear masks when it's 90 degrees and, and you're, you're going through physical stuff like that. So uh, it's, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be an interesting two or three weeks. Hopefully, hopefully everybody can get through it safely and, and, and we can move on. But we'll, we'll just have to see you know, they uh, for contact tracing purposes, what they consider a, a close contact for somebody to be high risk for contracting the virus in a situation is within six feet for at least fifteen minutes. So we'll see if that is uh, makes it makes a difference for you know a contact sport when you have it in short spurts where you're close to somebody and then you are are not. Uh, you know, I, is everybody going to go to a no huddle offense now? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, yeah, I mean that's one of the things that I, I thought about when all this first came out is what, what do you do in a huddle? Because yeah, you're in there for for twenty thirty seconds, uh, you know, several dozen times a, a game, um, obviously, and then the sideline situation where you're, you know, you can't socially distance on the sideline with 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 eighty players and and, and fifteen coaches and all the personnel that goes along with it, so. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I know they've been working on it. I know they've been thinking on it for the last last several months. But it's a lot to figure out, and and I don't think you can really figure it out until you get out there on the field and and see how it's going to work. Let's jump into a little recruiting discussion. A new name that has popped up in recent days with Kentucky at the point guard spot for 2021 is Hunter Salas. Uh, Kennedy Chandler picks Tennessee. Sky Clark says he's going to stay in the 22 class. So now Hunter Salas is uh, showing up on the radar screens uh what are you hearing and um what is where would kentucky stand if they jump into the pool there for hunter salas yeah i think that would be a great option and and i think there's a whole lot of mutual interest um there i actually got to see hunter quite a bit at the usa uh, basketball camp in october out in colorado springs and he wasn't on kentucky's radar at all but he was one of those two or three guys that i just kind of my eyes were drawn toward like wow this guy's really good i'm, I'm gonna have to follow him wherever he goes to college and, and track his career and, and see what he does especially over the next few months and well now here he's on kentucky's radar so we'll, we'll get to follow him even even more closely but i mean he's a guy who he kind of that typical calipari point guard who's you know, he's got the size of 6'5". He's athletic. Um, he, he can distribute. He's unselfish. He can play multiple positions. And it sounds like he really wants kind of that blue blood um, recruitment. He's from Nebraska. The local schools around there are doing a good job. But you talk to a lot of people in North Carolina and Kansas who have both offered keep coming up. 
So now if Kentucky jumps in there and offers, I think they got a really good shot with him. And he's a guy that if Devin Askew comes back, Devin can play the point, Hunter can play off the ball, and they can interchange like, like we've seen in, in a lot of previous Calipari teams. This guy changes his mind and comes in. Same deal. Um, so he's a guy that you can really you take a commitment from him. You're getting a really great player. It sounds like a really great person and a guy who isn't going to scare anybody off because you can put him in a lot of different spots. Chatting with Ben Roberts from the Lexington Herald-Leader, KentuckySports.com. We'll take a quick break, about 22 past the top of the hour, on this Monday edition of the Leach Report. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Chat with Ben Roberts from the Lexington Herald-Leader. And uh, Kentucky has lost Kenny Payne to the NBA's New York Knicks. Uh, what's your take on the impact for the program and for recruiting? Yeah, I mean, you can't minimize it. Um, it it's, a, it's a big loss for, for both the program and for their recruiting efforts. Um, in the immediate future, I think given the strange situation of what's going on right now and the fact that they couldn't go out on the road for the last six months or so, um, you know, Joel Justice and, and Tony Barbie had been dealing a lot with the the existing targets for this 21 class. So what we usually see is, like, Kenny will go out in, in April in those July sessions, and he'll even see a couple guys that, you know, he really likes, and he'll kind of make them his own kind of pet projects as far as recruiting goes. Isaiah Jackson was one in the past recruiting cycle who will be here this season. Um, he didn't get a chance to do that. Uh, so I think in the immediate future, it's a little lesser of an impact. But, I mean, obviously his reputation as a developer of, of big men and just a guy who people like to be around and people felt comfortable around. And when you're sending your kid off to college, he's a guy who, who kind of felt like a family member for a lot of people. Um, that's very, very difficult to replace. So that's going to be something they have to deal with moving forward, more so than any any specific recruitment. It's just going to be kind of that hole he leaves in the program and, and how they're going to be able to, to fill that. I would think if you're a recruit or a parent of a recruit, you're not going to you know be have 24-7 access to the head coach. Uh, Kenny's the guy that uh, you you call something you know something pops up in the media that you know the the Knicks want to hire Cal you know that kind of thing that you know those kind of stories that have popped up in the past that uh, you know anything like that you call Kenny's the guy you call if you're a parent or a player uh, anything I need to worry about Kenny you know or tell me about this or you know etc. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's the guy for a lot of people. And I mean, Joel and Tony do this too. But but when you talk to these players, he's the guy that that they'll say you know you know, your shot's looking a lot better. What have you been doing? Well, you know, I've been calling Kenny at 9 o'clock every night. He's in the he's in the gym with me until 11.30 p.m. every night for the last three weeks. I mean, you hear that over and over the past several years uh, with Kenny Payne, and he's just, yeah, that guy that, that people can rely on and, and people feel comfortable around and, 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 and just like to be around. So, um, yeah, definitely definitely very difficult to, to, to fill a role like that. Talk with Ben Roberts from the Lexington Herald Leader and KentuckySports.com. Uh, we're inside of three weeks now to the Kentucky Derby, and uh, you uh, cover that beat as well for the Herald Leader. Um, I see where the Ortiz brothers and Joel Rosario are apparently going to stay in New York that week uh, because they would have to, any jockey has to be here 
in Kentucky. I think it's by August 31st if you want to ride uh, on in the, the Oaks in the Derby. Um, so they're going to stay up there and uh, ride in the races at New York and fight it out for the riding title there. Um, going to be some, some good mounts perhaps for some of the Kentucky guys to pick up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's always um, you know kind of an interesting that it's like a jockey silly season almost because you know you, you obviously get some guys who uh, you know rode two or three you know real contenders. We've seen it with Mike Smith in recent years, um, but yeah, that 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 is really gonna gonna open it up even further to to see kind of who lands on who. And and again, that's another one of those uncertain situations where I mean we've seen a lot. You know, a positive test in the jockey community, especially two, three months ago. So you could get a situation where, you know, last minute you might have to fill in for, for a big name. And, and if you're hanging around and you're one of those Kentucky based jockeys, uh, you know, you, you never, you're their agents, you never want to turn your cell phone off on, on Derby Week and especially, uh, especially not this year. Do you think, um, it is at all, uh, speaks to the quality of the top contenders in the Oaks and the Derby? How good they have looked that um, riders like this that don't that aren't the riders on those horses just say I'm going to stay here in in New York where uh, I've got a you know a, a chance at you know winning some of these significant races rather than trying to go and run third or fourth in the Derby. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, you know, I've been doing these kind of Derby rankings and Derby watch um, throughout the past few months, and the most recent one I did. Uh, Tis the law. I think is. I think at this point is on his own tier. He's got Manny Franco, um, and then Art Collector with with Brian Hernandez Jr. and and Honor AP, who's who's had Mike Smith on him. I think are on the next tier, and then after that, you know, there's a lot of horses I'm really interested in. But after those top three, uh, it gets really tough to to start trying to rank them and order them. Um, and like you said, it, it's one thing if you can come here and think you have a good shot to get a win, but. Uh, if you can stay up in New York and get a bunch of purse money and still win some big races, that's that's something different than trying to come down to Churchill and, and finishing third or even second in a Derby. Um, so yeah, I think I think those three are 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 yeah, sitting sitting pretty and and uh, some of these other guys, yeah, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to to kind of break into that tier. Ben Roberts, thanks for the time. All right, thanks a lot, Tom. Our uh, Triple Crown coverage again this spring and summer, presented by Claiborne Farm, doing the usual unusually well for more than 100 years. Go to ClaiborneFarm.com. You can book a tour to see that beautiful thoroughbred farm. We'll be right back with Kyle Tucker. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the cats. Second half of our Monday show, we go back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline and bring on Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com, where he has a new role that will still keep him uh, engaged with uh, us and with the Wildcats, but uh, tell the folks about what you're going to be doing for The Athletic now. Yeah, in the uh, in the meantime, while we wait for college sports to officially (laughs) come back, which who who knows how that will actually go. Trying to stay busy, and I'm going to be doing some uh, Tennessee Titans stuff. And actually, we had uh, we moved a couple weeks ago uh, to Nashville for a lot of family reasons. All of our families here, my my parents and siblings and their families, and my wife's family and uh, parents and siblings are all here with uh, two, three-year-old twin toddlers and and a lot of life stuff coming at us. We uh, we needed 
needed to be around family. So, um, but it's a, it's a three hour drive from my new house, uh, back to Lexington. And, and whenever there's actually, um, Kentucky basketball cranked back up and probably a couple times if, if football gets off the ground, uh, I'll be back regularly still writing about Kentucky. So be a little bit of both, but, uh, in the in the meantime, we're all looking for something to write about, and it looks like looks like the NFL is going to follow its pro peers and actually get off the ground, uh, probably here shortly. Actually, I'm headed out to their practice today. So uh, they are slated what uh, the week after Labor Day, right, to get going with right, games. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it's going to be a in the NFL too. There's no uh, no preseason games, uh, and for the rookies and stuff, there was no you know OTAs and uh, all that kind of stuff. So um, they just jumped right into training camp. I think today's the first padded practice, uh, at least in Nashville. Um, and then, yeah, no, no, no warm ups. It'd be a lot like college football. You get, you kick off the season and you get what you get. The games count. So it's going to be super interesting. On Saturday, there was news that came out about the FDA giving approval to a, a new test that is a rapid result, uh, significantly less expensive so if uh if the if this plays out as it appears that it will um businesses schools teams etc could do um testing more frequently just as accurately less expensively that would seem to be a significant development for sports i would think it's huge yeah if they can mass produce it quickly uh, i believe it's like ten dollars and with a 10 minute result saliva test no blood has to be drawn uh if you you know whether it be you know personnel stadium personnel your team members your coaches your media that are covering you if everybody shows up uh to the building on a given day and at that price you can test them walking in the door and know before you let them in that they're they're negative um that's a huge deal it could you know especially the other factor there is, you know, reliability. How accurate are they? But if they're accurate and they're that fast and that cheap, um, it to me is, is absolutely a game changer uh, for in all the areas you said. I mean, if you're trying to get your office back, you know, just in your your, your business um, back uh, outside of sports, if you're trying to get kids back in school, um, and, and definitely in sports, these are this is I think one of the most important things short of a vaccine and, and knowing that you know you can knock the thing down. Um, yeah, just knowing who has it is a big deal. Which seems to me to underscore why the Big Ten and Pac-12 should have just pushed their calendar back rather than making a decision. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, one of the reasons so many people have said, hey, don't just don't just pull the trigger on this um, is because the nature of this thing, not only in how it's treated and all that and, as they chase down a vaccine, but just uh, what we know about it, you know, how we're able to identify it, it changes like daily, uh, certainly weekly. And and when you get to the monthly level, I mean, if you think about all the different things and how dramatic uh, things have shifted over the course of, you know, increments of months, uh, if you can buy yourself another month to make a decision, you know, everything could be different. Um, if you think <laughs> I didn't know that, I didn't even know anything about this test before yesterday or the day before that they've been developing. Now it's been FDA approved. You know, a week ago that didn't exist in anybody's mind. Now it now it's on the table. And I do know 
that the, this cheap saliva test with the quick results that um, uh, we're talking about here is something that, at least behind the scenes in college athletics, folks knew about, did know was coming, and were hopeful would get approved and would start getting uh, uh, mass-produced because there was a lot of chatter about it in college athletics. There were a lot of people saying this could, you know, behind the scenes, saying this could really um, – alter how we feel about this and how how safe we feel about this and so yeah you know some some people say kick the can down the road and it has sort of a, a negative um connotation but sometimes you're kicking kick, kicking the can down the road because there's not a there's not a um rock solid decision to make in this moment and if you if you kick it a, a little longer maybe you'll get some clarity and i think that's what a lot of these leagues are hoping yeah i mean when there's uh a minute to go in the game, and it's you know fourth and twenty, and you're down. You have to go for it. When it's in the third quarter, you punt. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, that's. I think that's a that's a great analogy. Um, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, you you start you start throwing hail marys when you're out of time, um, but it's inefficient to do so <laughs> uh, earlier in the game. So yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. I saw one of your colleagues, a tweet from one of your colleagues at the Athletic, Stuart Mandel, who uh, covers uh, the college football thing exclusively, uh, and it suggested that he he felt like that the NCAA was kind of lining up against the SEC, the Big Twelve, and the ACC by rolling out the medical experts last week and things like that. Uh, you think there's any merit to that? I, I, you broke up there on me. What was that? Stuart Mandel's tweet that uh, suggested that it it felt like to him that the NCAA was kind of squaring off against the three leagues that are continuing to play in the Power Five by rolling out their medical experts last week and some uh, oh, yeah. uh, powerful quotes and things. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did sort of feel that way, and I think you know it, it's it's weird. It's hard to. <laughs> It's hard to talk about this in that way, and we, and we do it a lot, like the NCAA and, and they're against schools and whatever. They're, they're made up by the schools. They're right. made up by uh, you know, the, the, the leaders of all these schools that are a part of the NCAA. But it did feel like at, at the corporate level, I guess you'd say, the, the, the leadership of the NCAA you know, operation, um, they, they, they do have a staff there in Indianapolis. And so in that way, they're, those are not the schools being represented. It does feel like corporate entity of the uh of the ncaa is thinking i would think uh, is sort of viewing this all as a liability issue uh and and operating as such and yeah the fact that they had all of their uh doctors kind of come out with i think really kind of bleakish sounding uh stuff and the other part of it i think that's been a, a little bit problematic is you know the sec and these other leagues that are still in it right now um that have not called off the season, you know, they're they're telling people that their doctors are giving them different information than the Big Ten and the Pac-12, and they, they think they can maybe do this safely. Well, we need to hear all that. You know, you need to put all these all of your medical information on the table. Tell us what your tell us yeah. what your people are hearing and why you feel that way, uh, and maybe we can understand. Uh, you know, and, and so I I think the SEC did make some people available. Late last week, one of our writers had a call about that because that—that's the thing about this whole deal is transparency. If you're going to try to play, uh, and you and you're going to tell us that it's safe for your athletes, explain to us why, uh, show us how, um, you know. And if you can't do that, then don't put them out there. 
You know, in, in thoroughbred racing, you've got the Derby, the Preakness, and the Belmont that are three different tracks that operate on their own uh, throughout the year. But for the Triple Crown, they make some collective decisions. Not all, but some collective decisions on, you know, something as simple as the trophy or something. It, it would seem to be that the best way to have done this would have been for the Power Five leagues uh, to have all been operating from the same medical team. And instead, as yeah. somebody said, it's like each team has its – each conference has its own Fauci. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, it's unfortunate, too, because, like, when they're not on the same page, it sort of just fuels what I think we see nationally, uh, sort of the division, the uh, – the, we are unable to agree on a set of facts. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, this is – you know, and, and I think we've seen that with COVID in general. Uh, you know, if, if somebody wants to believe whatever it is, that masks are the savior, that masks don't work at all, that the, that COVID is really dangerous and deadly or it's overblown and a, uh, you know, a media creation, it, whatever you want to believe, you can find a doctor who will, you know, come out and, and say something that supports that. Uh, and that's very frustrating, um, I think, to everybody. I think whatever side you're on, whatever um, ideology you have, I think it's it's frustrating to everybody that we can't just go like this is the science, this is this is what it is. Everybody's we're gonna we're gonna, we're all on the same page here about what the facts of the situation are and how do we proceed. Uh, it's it's sort of indicative of that, the fact that you're right. I mean, it's like all these conferences have their own medical advice, and it's all different. Um, how can that be? I mean, how, how can it be that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are so convinced that it is horribly dangerous to play football this fall, and these other three leagues are like, nah, it's really not. I, I just, that's amazing to me. We'll pick up on that and more when we come back with Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com, and you can uh, subscribe if you are not already a subscriber, and get his coverage of the NFL as well as college sports now. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. Served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. We'll be right back. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. We're chat with Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. We're talking before the break about how uh, medical people could look at uh, data and come to two different conclusions. But uh, one thing I would I would i guess counter with or suggest is you look at the kentucky missouri football game there in the 20 was the 2018 season and at the end of the game kentucky won it was there on the scoreboard we're trained to sports fans to look at the scoreboard so missouri is not able to say well you know we outplayed kentucky for the majority of that game and so we're counting that as a w in our win column as well you don't get to do that. It's it's up there in the scoreboard. Whereas doctors and, and see, and I mentioned that game because CJ Condrick caught the winning pass. CJ um, had a doctor tell him um, that uh, there was a problem with his heart, and uh, it affected his uh, evaluation for the right about the time the draft was coming up. And then he got second, third opinions, and a consensus developed that it was okay for him to play, and he did, and uh, and he was okay. So. That's that's part of it is that it's uh you know it's a different animal in the medical field people can actually you know can look at the data and come to you know two different I guess levels of risk tolerance as somebody wrote actually at the athletic. Yeah, and and I and I think that's that is true uh as well. I mean, you know, my wife went through 
uh, a number of health issues uh, over the last couple of years, and it was interesting. We went to doctors all over the country trying to figure it out, and you know, you'd have one say, "That's you know, I don't know anything about this, or I, you know, I don't think we can treat it, or I don't think we can treat it this way." Um, you know, this is too dangerous, or this is the right approach, and then we go to another and get, and that was that was a very frustrating part of that process. I bet. We trying to decide who we were going to go with, well, you and know, who do you trust? Who's, Whose expertise are we going to believe? Yeah. Um, so you know, I, you would hope that science would you, you say is this is about things. This is not an exact science, but you would hope science itself would be exact. <laughs> but you know, it's just there's different levels of knowledge and expertise. There's uh, and there are different ways to treat things. I mean, there, there's um, it, it, there is it is more complex than I guess just being uh, cut and dry. But I think we all. I think the frustration is we all kind of want everything to be absolutely. Right. We want we want there to be one medical expert who has the answers who who can say thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, you know, it's safe or it's not safe, and I'm not sure we're going to get to that point. Um, and until then, you know, it's it's going to be a very sticky situation for um, the decision makers of college football, college athletics. A very sticky situation trying to navigate. You know, do we do we trust this set of advice, and do we how 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 much risk are we willing to take on? And then beyond the risk is the I would say the word that we'll hear a lot, and you have to think about a lot is liability. Yep. You know, how much liability is there for us here? Because as much money as you could lose by not playing football, and it would put athletic departments in serious peril. If you have a bunch of guys drop dead, <laughs> I promise you, you're going to lose more uh, yep. because the the That's lawsuits. True. And if it's a you know if it's a, a, a widespread thing, talking about class action lawsuits, I mean there there is some real liability there. And I think so. Everybody involved that's making this decision has to weigh all of that: the risk, Could- the liability, uh, the palatability. I mean, one of the things I think is really interesting right now is. It happened too late, but after the fact, when the Big Ten said it's over, I mean, you're having all these groups of parents. I think Iowa parents, Nebraska parents, Ohio State parents have like written these letters, you know, come together, you know, dozens of them, and said we want our boys to play, you know, and put out these public statements and written these letters and had these campaigns. And the players have said, you know, come together in the hundreds and said we want to play. Um, you know, had all that happened before those conferences made the decision, uh, or before they were pretty far down the road in making those decisions, would that have mattered? You know, I don't know. But I think seeing it um, for these other conferences, seeing it maybe um, has some impact as well. Because if you get everybody on board to say, look, we, we understand the risk, we want to take it, we want our children to take it, um, Maybe that mitigates your your liability and takes some of the responsibility off your, off of your shoulders. A little over a minute here, Kyle. So uh, a quick answer on uh, something you wrote about at the Athletic with Kenny Payne leaving uh, the role that uh, the shoes that Bruiser Flint will st- Bruiser Flint will step into. Yeah, it's a, I mean it's a huge void. There's no doubt about it. I mean Kenny Payne was the was the beloved guy on the staff for a decade. He's the guy that you know, as we know, all the NBA players that have come out of here still love and come back and work with and the big men all talk about the development piece of that and it's it's why the Knicks wanted them to develop their young players and to attract some some top guys to come in maybe some former Wildcats um, 
Bruiser Flint, I think, just has to try to be his own guy. I, I think it, it it's better for him than a lot of guys who would try to step into Kenny Payne's shoes because he already knows that he has Cal Perry's trust and respect. I mean, he helped Cal build UMass from nothing into a Final Four team. He recruited a lot of the pieces of that team. Um, I think he's probably a better recruiter than he's given credit for. Some people kind of go, eh, I don't know, is this is this that exciting of a hire? He hasn't really had a blue blood on his shirt to go uh, around and recruit with that power behind him. Uh, and I think he'll recruit just fine here. And if Cal trusts him, I think an important piece is he'll feel comfortable in his skin. He won't feel all the time like he's trying to sort of get out from under Kenny Payne's shadow. I think that's, uh, those are all excellent points. Kyle, thank you very much for the time. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com. Uh, heading to a break. We'll come back with the wrap-up on this Monday edition of The Leach Report. This day in Wildcat history, 1948. Kentucky players got their gold medals along with their teammates at the London Olympics after winning the basketball title. Birthdays, the big dog, Vince Barrow, celebrating a birthday today. Happy birthday, coach and former Kentucky basketball player Archie Goodwin. Celebrating a birthday today as well. Condolences to the family of Tommy Starnes, uh, outstanding high school basketball coach at Lexington Catholic. Um, led him to three Sweet 16s in 66, 77, and 85 when uh, their resources uh, weren't nearly as, as plentiful as they are now in uh, battling with the public high schools. And he was uh, working alongside just a tremendous colony of coaches in Lexington at that time. You had Al Pruitt, Bobby Barlow, Jock Sutherland, Olin Barger, Tommy Starnes. So uh, Tommy passed away last week. Condolences to his family. Also condolences to the family of uh, Lee Stewart, a UK alum who was behind the Twitter account Not Jerry Tipton. And um, kudos to to Jerry for uh, sending out a nice message via Twitter as well. Um, That'll do it for us. We'll see you tomorrow on the Leach Report Radio Network. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to LeachReport at gmail.com. See you next time.